2: What's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell on this Tuesday, the day that the college football rankings come out every Tuesday night. We'll hit on those a little bit later in the show. We'll get to a Monday Night Football as Mexico City was host to that game between the Chiefs and Chargers, what it could mean for Philip Rivers' career. Uh, we'll get into some NBA as James Harden, I didn't realize this, is averaging 39 points on the season. Mm. Pretty impressive there, but we do have a bit of breaking news. Big breaking news coming out there. I'm a little disappointed we don't have the flashing breaking news graphic because... Rob Gronkowski made a massive announcement this morning, and he pumped it. He teased it. Yesterday, he's like, hey, big announcement coming at 9 a.m. Yeah. There's a lot of speculation. What was it going to be? I still think he's coming back.
0: Yeah. What was his announcement, Danny? He's having a big party.
2: <laughs> it's a big party at the Super Bowl. Uh, that was what he used. It's going to be – I don't even know if I should give it any play here because yeah. it feels Why like not? I fell right yeah, into good. it. Why, uh, according to his uh, social media, I am going for the championship of partying in Miami with my very own music festival during the big game weekend at Gronk Beach. Presented by Monster Energy. All these Diplos gonna be there, Cascade. My Rich- man will make more off
0: of that than he would coming back and playing for the damn Patriots. This year.
2: Ricky Rose might be there. Hey, he's gonna make more good. off of a grunt music festival <laughs> you know than what? he you would are- playing for the Patriots this year. You know, you say that, and I think some people might think you're being sarcastic. I am not. I think he might make, especially if you went just by the player's share yeah. of what they would get paid. It's not even close. Like, hands down, that would be more money than he would have made playing with the Super Bowl for the New England Patriots. I think there still is some time when he could announce it. There, are, It's not much time. Like, in the next week, I What's think it, it's the November 29th, 30th. 30th. Yeah, it's 29th or 30th. So he has a little bit more time. Like They what need if, him. They do need him. They, need they him absolutely back. need him. And then, what would happen if he does do it and he still has his party? Like, could he do both? I don't think he could do okay. both on the day of the game. I don't think you could get away with that. Um, I would say
0: this though, and I did. Like, all jokes aside, if I'm Saturday, Rob Saturday though, if I'm looking at the Patriots, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm looking at the Patriots as Rob Gronkowski, they might not be like as appealing. Like my workload when I look at that now, I gotta I gotta look at it and say, man, my workload might be a little too high for me. Like, do you know what I mean? Like the way.
2: If they want to use
0: the him way they the would way they have, have to it. use him Danny like he would be the only real downfield threat and that would you know like there's nothing else downfield there
2: right that is true he would be used a lot more Muhammad Sanu they're still trying to figure out you know I think would be a pretty good option for them And we kind of were joking about this not that long ago because he made the statement was Des Bryant who's still sitting at, huh? sitting at home hey they give other guys who had been out Josh Gordon was out kind of left for dead they sure. gave him an option Antonio they gave Bryant. him an opportunity Antonio, Antonio Brown. Brown's another one Des Bryant's been out for a while like what's the harm in bringing him in right. like I, they are i think they're in a little bit of a desperate position right now with
1: at the way their offense as But target. yes
2: what i mean but, but you're right it's compared to their standard right. right they want to compete for championships why not bring in Des Bryant It'd be cheap and I, don't, hey, I don't
1: Gronk also he uh he he left a little tease in there at the end oh. at the end of the video that he released it was like him on a couch and over one shoulder, it was Party Gronk. And over the other shoulder, it was Football Gronk. And Football Gronk was trying to convince him, come back and play. You got so much left in the tank. And then finally, at the end, Football Gronk was like, all right, maybe we'll call an audible, but just for this year.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so he could come <laughs> back maybe later, don't maybe later. later. If don't he doesn't back. come back this year, I don't they know. Yes, do come back. Although I, I never rule anything out with Gronk. He's a little bit nutty. All right. We did have Monday Night Football. Before we get to the game, I have a question for you. Okay. Because they made such a big deal. The game was canceled a year ago because of the turf and issues that they had there. And they made such a concerted effort. Like, they didn't have any soccer games there for two weeks. They haven't had a concert there in like a year. It was a really long time where they were trying to protect the field. I don't know horticulture, but... Is there something wrong with growing grass in Mexico City? Because for whatever reason, I'm watching it thinking it's terrible. They they made a big deal out of it. It still looks like it could be dangerous, and you could get somebody hurt. Guys were slipping and sliding, leaving divots like three feet long. Right, I'm like what? Like I don't, I don't. At the point now, where if you're the NFL, I know you want to grow the game well, why don't, internationally. Why don't you
0: invest in the in a like uh, some sort of maybe uh, it's turf like f- fake turf? Yeah, turf. I mean, you know what I mean. Like that was my first thought. Like yeah, if you have to be over there playing games because you're globalizing. Right. I, I'm okay with that. But man, invest in in the in the not to say that they haven't, but maybe the grass growing situation to your point over there is just not like a uh, 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 a healthy
2: environment <laughs> I, don't Bro, I don't know i don't know whatever down, it is. baby exactly that's why that's a good solution i think yeah. they should do that and if, i did see they put in like they took out the dirt and they put in a whole new turf like just go with the fake stuff like just do it suck it up and then you can play there every year there and, go. and then you give, do something good for them they don't have to save them money over yeah. the course of time oh uh, that was my like first thing because the game wasn't fantastic it wasn't a stellar game you did have the chiefs get the win uh patrick mahomes wasn't as great as he was in his first game back, but they lost, but he was still pretty impressive. Wasn't sort of your Patrick Mahomes, you know, over 300 yards. He only had 182 yards passing, but he got it done when they needed to. Are you concerned at all about Mahomes and his health, this offense, no, as I, they move forward? I'm not no, either. I think the Chargers are a pretty good defense. Yeah,
0: cause he, and he ran for 60-some yards. So, right. like, if you were concerned about his health with the kneecap, you know, that was his, what, career high in rushing yards? Yeah. Um I thought he looked good. I thought he looked more elusive than I gave him credit for having been, right? Like mm-hmm. he was getting out of the pocket and running. Um there are there are some concerns though I think for me w- w- with where their offense is, like w- whether or not um they have fallen victim to like their own press, you know, whether they now feel like they have to hit a home run on 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 all plays. Like I don't know, it just looks like there's a forcing of the issue after half they came out and it became more like oh, let's let's get the ball out let's get it down the field um that way but it looks like they're trying to hit a lot of home runs and with a defense that can be you know hit or miss at times like that's a dangerous game of roulette you're playing
2: yeah and it to your point about trying to do too much i do think and it was the first interception the only interception that Patrick Mahomes threw where he tried to force it right up the seam and the char- like he's got a cannon and the fact that it wasn't an easy interception is kind of like it was almost completed. Yeah. Safety made a really good play coming over and getting it. But I think that's exactly what you're talking about. You saw Andy Reid come over and sit down when they were looking at the tablet, looking at the play as it unfolded. And I'm sure that's what he was saying. Hey, I like the aggressive nature, but there's nothing wrong with getting through your progression, getting to a check down. And then the next time maybe you go there, I would rather have a guy who's already shook it. Now, this is a it's. It's kind of like you give Patrick Mahomes the benefit of the doubt because he's already made so many of those shows. But I would rather have a quarterback who's over-aggressive and then you dial him back. Okay. And then the flip side where you're begging him, hey, you got to take a shot every once in a while where they're checked down Charlie. Sure. Sitting there keeping their percentage up and playing it very safe. Um, you know, I think that's an issue too. Now, Tyreek Hill did sprain um, – strained his hamstring during the game, which I do think is concerning. Miko Hardman, who they drafted out of Georgia, is a speed demon. He's a similar type player – the Tyree kill, the cheetah. He's different. He, he's a difference maker with what he does and the pressure and the stress that he puts on those safeties in the secondary. Yeah. They have to get so much deeper. They have to get to their spots quicker. They can't disguise because they're nervous. Man, if I'm up here disguised and I'm, he's going to get by me, it does open up things. I think it's kind of similar to what Steph Curry brings on a basketball court. His range. Uh-huh forces your whole defense to to defend further so it opens up a lot of other things. I think that's similar to what you see with Tyree Kill. Like his speed is – you just don't see it that often where teams have to defend. They can do the same schemes, but they have to kind of just favor things a little bit more.
0: Right. You know what I mean? No, like getting yeah, it back over the top. It stretches you. Everyone's got eyes on that, and if your eyes are there, then they're probably not – Somewhere else, you know, it happens in basketball all the time. I thought, I thought it was interesting, like the chart, the Chiefs' defense, right? Like mother is the, I mean, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Yep. like Chiefs' defense not very good by most people's standards, right? It's kind of their Achilles' heel. It has been. But last night they stepped up and they were, you know, Ben, don't break. Uh, right. Made the big plays when they had to. You asked me about the Chiefs' offensive struggles. Could I make a case for like? It being a good thing for their defense, yeah, to have to figure out how to win games if the offense isn't firing on all cylinders. Just short term,
2: yes, you could, you, you could absolutely make that case. And they were pretty, they've been pretty hot and cold. Uh, the Broncos game was one where they went in there. I think they had nine sacks in that game. And they got after Joe Flacco. Last night was the example of when they had to come up and they had four Philip Rivers interceptions. They picked him off four yeah. times. So I do think that's one of those cases where. A little bit hot and cold. They just need to get more consistent. Like right. they need to stop having those games where they just get uh, torched, like they did uh, last weekend. Uh, but I think that could be a case where, hey, they get it back. Now the other thing about Philip Rivers, four interceptions. I do start looking at Philip Rivers, thirty-eight years old. Oh. Hey, are you like it's oh. been? Oh, I, oh, now it's here's it's what's happening is I was oh, kind time. of surveying social media. It's time, dude. Is it as time? as I don't think it's as bad or obvious as it was with Eli Manning with yeah. the Giants, but I do think it's becoming... You're starting to see the writing on the wall yes. where the... chart Now, here's the question. The Giants kept Eli and said, we're going to draft a quarterback, and then within two games, they said, we're going with Daniel Jones, we're going to see the future. And if you're the Charger, and they paid Eli a lot of money this year, if you're the Chargers, do you just separate ties with him and say, we're going to move on, or... And we're going to draft somebody, or do you do the, t- the plan that the Giants did? Say, hey, we'll keep him. We'll see what the offseason looks like. We'll see what our rookie looks like, uh, and then we'll make a move, or do you just cut ties?
0: No, I think with that situation, Phillip Rivers has been there. Um, Phillip Rivers had a couple bad games, mm-hmm. but I don't know that Phillip Rivers is done. I do think you're starting to see the writing on the wall with Phillip Rivers, though, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that there are two years left in that tank you can make an argument that there's a year left in the tank. Right. So all I'm saying about it's time is it's time for them to identify the next guy and and, and pick him, right? And if you want to ride with Philip Rivers one more year and groom a guy under him, well, Philip Rivers did that, didn't he? Yep. He did that under Drew Brees. Yep. Um, I know he didn't like it, but he's probably part of the reason why he is who he is is because he was able to sit there and watch you know, a great do it for a year. So j- just have that plan in place if you're the Chargers. You know now – that the tread if, is at, at minimum really thin fair. on
2: that tire. right? Yeah. Yeah. If they're riding in the rain, they're going to be, be sliding, around a yeah. little bit, so that'll be something they have to keep an eye on. Speaking of quarterback quandaries, what has happened in Carolina is getting kind of interesting, right? Because right? I thought you had seen enough from Kyle Allen where you could say peace out to Cam Newton. You could just cut ties with him. You don't have to worry about the final year in his deal where you'd have to pay him $20 million, and you'd be okay. You could build around Kyle Allen. Well, that was after he was 4-0, right? Right. Then all of a sudden, you get a little bit more of a dose of reality. Kyle Allen in his last four games, one and three. He's got three touchdowns and nine interceptions and only a 60 passer rating. He's also lost five fumbles on the season. He's got 14 total turnovers in eight games. This is getting a little bit dicier, and going to be a much tougher decision for the Carolina Panthers to make. Oh, yeah. This is worst-case scenario for the Panthers. Right? This because you wanted it to be easy. You yes. want it to be easy. Kyle Allen, you just take over, and we can just walk away. Your fan base doesn't question anymore. Correct. Because now, I do think the Carolina Panthers, the fan base is sort of split, or has been split on Cam Newton. Like, sure. hey, we've seen enough. He's been injured. Let's just move on. There's excitement around Kyle Allen. When you lose that, all of a sudden, like it becomes a much tougher decision, because if you do if you cut ties with Cam now and Kyle Allen struggles to finish the year then you might have to do something else as well which is a little bit more uncertain and that gets a little bit scarier.
0: Yeah, this wasn't ever like a two part um equation for me, right? right. It wasn't as easy as like Kyle Allen or Cam. What this boiled down to and I, I had said it before and you and you made a good point about you weren't you said you weren't sure about Kyle Allen at, right. at that point. And so I I want to be clear I didn't think that Kyle Allen was necessarily the 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 uh the next great thing in Carolina. I think that when you plugged him in and you saw what the offense did with a different quarterback, that should have let you know if you were Carolina that Cam probably isn't the guy anymore there, but I didn't know if it was a ringing endorsement for Kyle necessarily. It showed you that your offense could work with a quarterback that could just get the ball where it needed to go. If that's fair, right? It's mm-hmm. it wasn't in like a, 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 a crowning or a coronation for Kyle Allen. It was an, an indication that what was happening at quarterback before that wasn't helping your offense be as successful as it could be. So while I still think you have to you have to approach it like that if you're Carolina, like look. I do think you could come back to Cam, and you probably should come back to Cam, if you deemed that the reason he wasn't productive in that offense in the first place was because of all the injuries. And if he's healthy now, give him one more look to see if he can get that offense to run the same way Kyle Allen did. But I never really thought Kyle Allen was necessarily the guy. I just thought he showed you that your offense could work if you just could be accurate.
2: Right. Uh, The one thing I was checking was, all right, you know, if if Kyle Allen got exposed because people took away Christian McCaffrey, no. that's not the case. No. Christian McCaffrey's still been balling, yes. and it's been more on Kyle. My dad Allen's kicks my shoulders. ass every week in fantasy. Got aware Christian McCaffrey, so I know what is, is happening yes. there in that spot. Uh, I think it's gonna be a really fascinating uh d- uh decision and choice that the Carolina Panthers going to make. And of course, some of this is gonna have to depend on what Cam looks like at the end of the season, like health wise, this Whoa. surgery, how is the development going? Those Liz Frank, where is he? And I, it's gonna be tough because there's been. There's been some sort of disconnect between Cam Newton and the medical staff at Carolina. Yes. It's not been a healthy situation in kind of multiple ways of the term. Like it, healthy from the sense that Cam Newton isn't healthy and healthy from I don't know who to believe. Like Cam Newton has said back-to-back back years, they can't figure out what's wrong with me. You don't hear That's players good, say that. That, that is team. not a good situation. And it might be one where Cam even might say, you know what? Maybe let me out. Yeah. You, know, you, you, know? you you heard him say he'd be
0: cool with going to the Bay Area. Right. Right, right. Um, I do think it's interesting, though, because while it is a messy situation in Carolina, probably not exactly what you wanted. The silver lining is if if Cam is healthy, you know, you get to show him off a little bit. If you already know you want to move off of him, right? Here, go out here. Like, show everybody that you're healthy. Put put a few more games on tape. Or you see it around the NBA trade deadline all the time. Right. I don't play Danny Cannell. For the first thirty-five to forty games of the season. Yep. The ten games leading up to the trade deadline. Yeah. Danny Canal got a lot of work. Thirty minutes a <laughs> yeah. night. Yeah. But I'm trying to show that off. So right. if there's any taker for Danny Cannell, maybe he'd be enticed to take a swing. So maybe, like you know, I don't know where Carolina is in the standings. I probably should have prepped for that a little bit better. But if it's if you're not if your season's not hanging in the balance, maybe that's right. the silver
2: lining. It could be. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. There is another um incident unfolding because I always. I think if you get lucky and you find a quarterback who you draft fourth, fifth, sixth round that you're paying pennies on the dollar compared to other franchise quarterbacks, if even if he's slightly less if you're getting slightly less in return, it's worth it to build around and see something that's there. I thought that could be the case for Kyle Allen. Now I'm sort of but in Jacksonville. You might have seen that situation unfold because Gardner Minshew playing really good. He had 13 touchdowns, four interceptions. Now, then he lost a couple games in the back end, and he had his worst game of the season right before their bye week, so it was like the perfect opportunity for Doug Marone to say, yep, we're going back to Nick Foles. Because the front office wants to play the guy that you paid because you don't want that money to be sitting on the bench. But Nick Foles' first game back, they lose. I do think there's a scenario where Nick Foles, if he struggles and doesn't play well and they don't start winning you we saw the minchu mania oh yeah we saw all those mustaches and everything and you also have a cheaper quarterback where maybe the jags could shop nick Foles and trade him to another team maybe it's the bears right let's uh, drop him to another team and say we're going to take that risk not risky approach we're going to take the approach where we can go with the younger guy who's cheap build around him and see if we can build up our defense give him some running you know some some receivers some weapons and then make that there because i think that and as crazy as it is, Philly loves Nick Foles, right? And they should. He was a Super Bowl MVP, brought him a Super Bowl. I don't know if Jacksonville loves him as much as they do kind of the young guy with the sure. So I think Nick Foles is is playing for his next year in Jacksonville, too, which is kind of we never would have thought we were having even Correct. mentioned that uh, you know, at the beginning of the season. It was, hey, could this team make the playoffs with Nick Foles? And I don't think that's a scenario. All of us in both of these, we've discussed the Bears as a potential option. The reason why. Because and I think this is just the latest kind of controversy that's unfolded there is late in their game on Sunday night, you saw Mitch Trubisky, who was benched at the end of the game, Matt Nagy, and it was all over Twitter. Like, how are you gonna bench him now after he played bad and you're like, all right, two minutes left in the game, now you're gonna do it when you have a chance. And Trubisky's, you know, reaction on the sideline was pretty demonstrative. He's like, bummed, you could see it. Right. Now there's been a lot of like, hey. Matt Nagy's claiming he had a hip injury. That was their initial thing. And then, even yesterday, there were some contradictory reports of when he found out about it. There was some speculation that it occurred in the first half. He was examined in the second half. And then Matt Nagy was like, well, we kept an eye on it. Ultimately, it does look like, and I think I think the writing's on the wall I don't think it's a tough decision they're just handling it really bad I do think the Chicago Bears are going to be a spot that the Bears are in the market for a quarterback whether it's the trade market or whether it's off season. where I think Mitchell Trubisky is finished with the Bears
0: I would have to agree with you Danny the, what I will say about the Mitchell Trubisky pulling um and blaming it on a on a on a hip injury um is first of all he didn't look like he was moving around gingerly no. or anything like that but secondly like if you have a quarterback um any quarterback. We, we we talked about Drew Brees uh, wanting to get back too early. Mm-hmm. Team wound up letting him come back, right? We talk about um, Tua Tagovailoa telling him, hey, I want to play. Yep. And, the, and people deferring to that, even at the risk of said player. Like, you're like, all right, it's his job. Like, give it to him. Like, here we go. Like, right. That's our quarterback. If you are that guy, they're not taking you out for no damn hip. If you want to play. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Now, if, you if your leg is falling off. And you, can't, and you can't do your job. Maybe they're like, look, man, we're, we can't risk you. But if you say, hey, man, I, I want to play. Like, I'm fine. And you're their guy, they're rolling you out there. So Absolutely. in either case scenario, you're not their guy. Right. Because if you didn't have the cachet to say, coach, hey, chill that out, bro. I got this. Two minutes. Let's go. Right. If you couldn't do that, then you're not their guy.
2: No. And I think that's what everybody's starting to yep. realize here. Uh, it is interesting being not – you know, I was not Drew Brees, I was not Tua, I was not any of these guys that were in that position. I was in kind of the Trubisky position, kind of fighting for my life. And I referenced it the other day. That's why I didn't want to take a game off, which I probably really could have used to get healthy out of back issue. Right. And but in my mind, I was like, I don't want to get Wally Pipped. I don't want to be the guy that sits out and then you lose your job. And because I wasn't secure, I didn't have the massive payday, I didn't have the full support of the staff, It's like, I gotta I can't. I i I'd rather go out there 60, 70 percent. And just roll the dice and see if I can get it done. And that's one of my bigger regrets looking back. I'm like, man, I wish I would just, when I wasn't, you know, and again, you ha- you're you never a hundred percent, but there were times significantly oh, I was like, I'm not going down. Well,
0: let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Cause this is, I know we probably go to a break, but I don't give a damn about the break. <laughs> so look, um, you know, I'm dealing with high school kids now, all jokes aside, um, and I've got a lot of them, we're in a different generation of kid, right? Oh, like, they're, they they're, want to be 100%? They're, no, they're here with like the little like the things, and they're like, yeah, I mean, it's just it's ridiculous, right? But it's fine. <laughs> like, talking I talking about like the, muscle, massager. the muscle massagers, <laughs> the muscle. and we're doing all that. I'm like, okay, you're 15, but fine. Right. Um, <laughs> if they are not 100%, they don't practice. They don't, and I, look, I, it's a very fine line for me because I, I realize that it's I can't tell an injured player like that you have to play. So I respect that. Like, go see the trainer um, and and do what you have to do. And when you're healthy, come back. Where is the line? Like, where's the line that I draw? Because I want to also be real with these kids yeah. about, hey, look, you're auditioning right now for the minutes that you're gonna play on Friday night, and every day that you sit out, like, is another opportunity for that kid to take your minutes. You know what I mean? Like I and I wanna be a good uh uh um you know spokesman for like what sports are about, but I also have a responsibility to protect the kid from an injury, but I know you're not really injured. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? It's a really tough thing. And I, I always err like on letting awesome. him sit out and I'm like, Don't you know, don't don't push it. But I wanna say to him, hey man, you need to toughen the hell up. Right. Like if your knee is a little sore or your hand is a little sore, it's preseason. It's supposed to be like that. This kid is in here eating your lunch right now. And then you and mommy are going to come back to me and want to know why I'm not playing you. Right. And I'm going to tell you because you sat out for two weeks.
2: There's always that conversation. It's a really hard one for everybody to learn. But are you hurt or are you injured? Yeah. If you're injured, you don't play, right? right? If you're hurt, is it something that's hurting and you can play through it? Because if I'm a coach or even a teammate – I want the guy who's going to try to play no matter what. Right. And you almost have the coach. You have to take him off. You have to see it so bad on the court that you say, yeah, well, he's not effective yeah. anymore. Let me get you out. I love the effort, but let me get you out. If I'm a coach or a teammate, that's the type of guy I want every time. And yet it seems like I totally agree. I see it all the time. Kids are ah, like, I don't want to turn my finger. I need to come out of here. It drives me nuts too. Right. But if I'm a coach, that would be my message probably to the whole team. Hey you let me like you tell me let me know what's going on with you right and if if you're injured we'll take you out we'll take care of you but there are certain times it's a fine line because you don't want some kids some line. kids might push themselves too far sure and they're willing to risk it and they could hurt themselves but i do feel like the majority of kids nowadays want to take the safe road and the parents do too hey we can't get them hurt we can't get them hurt i
0: see another damn leg massager with load 15-year-old. you gotta give them load management it's oh,
2: creeping in every level they want to take it off Welcome back to Kennell and Bell. So the Rockets are on fire right now. They won their eighth in a row. And in large part, it's due to James Harden, who's on fire as well. Um, He's averaging 39 on the season, Hmm. which is insane. Uh, Last night he had 36 on 11 I 19. Averaging 39. My career high is 33. (laughs) That's absurd. Career high, sir. (laughs) That is insane. (laughs) But it does give you a really good perspective of just what he is doing. Russell Westbrook was asked about it after the game, and he had an interesting insight that I think is something you'll be able to appreciate.
0: Amazing. I think that a lot of people like to normalize greatness. We see it over and over again, but it's
2: not normal because there's nobody else that could do it. If it was normal, everybody would do it. Um, he's put himself in position to be able to uh, be one of the best offensive scorers
0: of all time because of the way he's able to score the ball at a high level in a variety of different ways. So. Um, it's, it's amazing. I'm just here to be able to help him along the way.
2: So normalizing greatness, it is kind of, we get numb to it. Like oh, Because yeah. remember last year when, when Chris Paul was hurt and he had that stretch of 30-plus consecutive games. We talked a lot about it. We were impressed by it. But you kind of just like, oh, yeah, you come to expect it and it becomes normal where you're like, oh, yeah, well, he's supposed to do that. But like as you said, averaging 39 points here at this point it's this incredible. season is absurd.
0: Um. Yeah, I I think that's us as a society though. Like it transcends like sport even. Like it's definitely transcends basketball, but transcends sport. Like when you see greatness in any walk of life, like whether it be like a musician or a or an actor or like whatever, I don't know. It's What are you gonna do next? Mm -hmm. Like that was great. Yes, that's cool. Yeah. Why don't you average you 40? Where are we going now? <laughs> yeah. You know, what's what's your next invention? What are we what are we waiting for? And I just think that's who we are, like this immediate gratification, like what have you done for me lately type of society. So, um, you know, it, it's not surprising that it would happen to James Hart. I do think it's interesting that a guy like Russ says it because he would know. We normalize his greatness and we've come know, to expect
2: a, him getting tripled up. Nobody else does it.
0: To his point, If everyone could do that, they would all be doing it. Only one other player in history had done it. Russ did it for two years straight. That in and of itself is pure greatness. Now, we're not saying that it's translated into championships. It hasn't. You're not saying that he's the best player on the planet. He's probably not. But the feat itself is great, and we normalize the hell out of that. So he is kind of the perfect guy. To be riding with James Harden, saying, like, yeah. you idiots don't even know what you're looking at. <laughs> like you right. have no idea what you're looking at. Like right. complete disrespect for what he's doing." I do. Look, people mistook like my job for a really hard one. It wasn't an easy one to guard the best player on the the planet. Uh, whenever you played him, or to guard the best team's player every night, it was a hard. It was a hard job. Sometimes thankless. Um, maybe it was because I was raised in that job that it didn't seem that that hard to me. The nights where, like, my team's best score was out or I was on bad teams and they needed me to score consistently in the high teens or 20s for us to win, that was exhausting. Like, do you know what I mean? So, like, the fact that he can figure out a way to average 39 is remarkable. Physically, do you know how damn hard it is to have five other guys every night saying – Danny's not going to score. Danny's not going to score. Coach is yelling, can't let Danny score. Can't let Danny score. Just the physical tax that it puts on your body to go out there every night and do that, it's
2: unbelievable. It is absolutely exhausting. I do think in this conversation, I think Harden gets knocked because we put so much of an emphasis as when we we talk about legacy or where you stand, it is playoff runs. It is playoff success. It is championships won where – you know, it's not his fault he's playing against a super team. Maybe one of the best teams we've ever seen with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, and they were even close to beating them a couple of times. Now, they came up short. But is that what he's going to have to do to be considered best in the world or top 10 all time or whatever case you want to be it? Or do you think it's going to be what Russ said? Hey, he might be one of the greatest scorers of all time, and that's all he'll be able to achieve. Because I do think, well, ours, again, I think he has to win championships to 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 in today's environment to take down a Kawhi Leonard or you know, he's never gonna be in the same breath as LeBron, but let's say Giannis, but Giannis has to do it too. But he's I think a better,
0: he's a better scorer than Kawhi Leonard, hand down. Right. What Kawhi Leonard does is he'll D your ass up. Like, you know, he'll go in there and do some of the things that that James Harden historically hasn't really like you've seen all the little videos of him like just waving at the ball as it goes by yeah. and stuff like it was embar- that like, and that,
2: it's gotten better but like no, a few years but, ago I mean, it was like that's
0: kind of the narrative on that his effort on that side of the ball so you know it will take him winning championships and like i don't look i, I don't buy into it. joe and i were just kind of talking about that like he came up against super team ask ask uh john stockton Carmelo about like winning championships and having to go up against Mike and being the best team in the NBA for like, you know, possibly a second best team in the NBA and never being rewarded with championships because you kept facing Mike. Right. Like Charles Barkley can say that too. There are a lot of teams, the Pacers and the Knicks, like great teams with great players who will never be considered the greatest because they didn't get those championships. You know, Um, I mean, MJ was better than a lot of them anyway, but. Point being, if you subtracted MJ from the conversation without those championships, they still wouldn't be able to make that claim because that is the prism with which we view it through. So that's going to be fair. It's it, James Harden falls in the category of phenomenal score. maybe top two to ever do it in in, in terms of scoring the ball. Him and MJ, and we can debate that. Like right. there are people that want to debate that. That's fine. Uh, but until you get those championships and until you can win at and in 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 at, you know the playoff moment that matters the most that's going to forever kind of be the little uh, sidebar in the conversation when it right. comes to you being a great.
2: For me, I would look at him and say maybe he's the, maybe he's the NBA's version of Dan Marino, right? One of the greatest quarterbacks sure. of all time, but his knock is he never got a Super Bowl. That's great. You know, that's like, a an, great comparison. You know, he's a great – he's an incredible player. And I I think he's the best pure passer of the football ever, which is kind of like saying, hey, you could say James Harden. Maybe will be, when it's all done, the greatest individual scorer of all time. What do you got, Joey?
1: Yeah, I think uh, to your point, Raja, about – how hard it is to do what he's do just to score, right? We talk about this actually pretty regularly, me and you, about we talk about defense, how important it is, passing, rebounding, all this stuff. You have to score to win, right? And when we talk about the best players to ever play, and I'm not putting Harden in that list because, of course, the championships are going to matter. But when you talk about the best players to ever play, they're also the best scorers. Like, MJ's one of the best scorer ever. LeBron's one of the best scorers ever. Kareem, Kobe, all Shaq, they all were averaging 25, 30 a game in their prime. So... When we talk about Harden, a lot of times I agree he gets, he, you know, he does, we do normalize his greatness because oh, all he does is score and dribble and his usage rate is high and this and it's this and that. But if he ends up, like you said, being a top two or three scorer ever, then we're going to have to be, have the conversation of him being one of the best players ever because he's doing the most important thing. He's scoring and leading his team to wins, regardless of if he wins the championships or not. He's still winning games, getting in the playoffs, getting deep in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I would be – at the end of the day, um, you know, James Harden's um, um, final numbers uh, are probably going to have to put him in the conversation for top – I don't know. What do you want to say, 35 – like I don't know where the the line's drawn that offends him, and I don't mean to do that. Right. right? But he's going to have to be mentioned in the same breath with some of the greats. But I, I do think within that conversation – there's a subcategory of greats that have never won championships which he will also have to be in if that's you know if that makes any sense um it, it, scoring the ball at the end of the day is is you know the way we have been raised to judge basketball players it is it's right. what we celebrate it's 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 the it's the narrative around the game it's who can put it in the hold the most when you come to our show and our highlights on HQ you're seeing baskets being made that's what you're seeing you're you're seeing uh when uh, at the bottom of the screen running across it's who had the most points and so you know that's what we celebrate i i, I do think though if you take a guy like that Let's use MJ, who made I don't know how many all-defensive teams, but Kobe, who also made all-defensive teams, um, and Kawhi, who can be that and then still win defensive player of the year. That's when you start to separate a top 20 player from maybe, and it's probably not fair to put Kawhi in that right now, but a top like 20 player all time to like a top 10 player all time, right? Is the combination of the two abilities, but scoring is always how we're going to celebrate our basketball. We want, we want to see buckets.
2: You know, what speaks to the normalization of this greatness is I was looking up the, the highest scoring uh, single season scoring leaders. Wilt Chamberlain owns the top three. He had 50, uh, in 61, 62, he averaged 44. He averaged 38. He has the top three most impressive scoring seasons. Then it's Elgin Barreler. Then it's Wilt again. I'm like, all right, who was recent history? I totally over... like. Harden last year averaged 36. Yeah, man. And it's like you kind of forget about it. like it's just like it doesn't even like I, I was like oh yeah, yeah that's pretty damn impressive when and, you think about and it. I, and
0: I argued tooth and nail for him not to be the MVP. <laughs>
2: right? right. Like, how crazy right, is that? Right? Like, that's Giannis, the normalization Giannis, that Russell Westbrook is talking well, and about. If you also, Correct. if
1: you look at career points per game, you got MJ is actually won, Wilt two, but then in, in terms of active players, you got LeBron at 27, KD at 27, and then Harden at 24 for a career. And that's, wow. and that's taking into account those first few years in Oklahoma City where he was a six-man and he wasn't scoring. So if you well, took that, that out of the equation, he'd be right there with those guys, if not better.
0: <laughs> yeah, he would be because those guys did not have to deal with coming off the bench and not getting shots because you had two other stars in right. Russell Westbrook and, and uh, Kevin Durant ahead of you. I do think it's uh, – while we celebrate this – and, I, and I, I don't take anything away from James Harden. I, I tell you, I think he's the most innovative offensive player NBA yeah. I've ever seen um, – I do think there's another conversation about what it does to like youth basketball, the way we celebrate um, and put all of the emphasis on scoring. Um, you've got a generation of kids that only see value right now in isolation basketball. It's all they work on. I, I go off the rails with this all the time. Like I go to certain, I watch trainers on Instagram. I'm seeing what they're doing. I want You know, I, I don't have that skill set and I realize that my kids will have to have some of that skill set. Do you know what I mean? To be you know, on the court in today's era. So I've got to see what it looks like. Figure out how I can teach that to them. But at the same time, I see all these little kids that are workout monsters in real life game situations. And I'll put a kid up against them who doesn't have nearly the same skill level and he'll eat his damn lunch. right? Because that kid can only play in a one-on-one Where he's not guarded closely, he's playing in a tuxedo, like, and there's no, there's all this space on the planet. And I do think, like, those kids only watching that and learning to emulate that has affected our youth level basketball. There are a bunch of little kids out there that don't know how to play the game. All they can do is you give them the ball and watch them dance on it. And they can't even do that when I put a little mofo up in your shorts and he doesn't give you the space to do it. Right. Right. So there's no more, like, there's no more playing of the actual old-school game where you're moving and you're passing and maybe you screen and and because you screen and your man had to help, you flash back to the ball and you're wide open and now you get an easy layup. Like, that doesn't exist anymore. These kids are straight iso ball. That's all they
2: do. I got one more. I, I'll let you chime in in a second, Joey, because I was at my daughter's basketball game, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, yeah. junior high. I didn't see so much of the handles but i saw three pointers oh my jacked God. up every single time and i i get it analytics of the three is better than it's, the not, two. it's no, not it's not when it's, you make one out of 20 yes when you i'm not lying there was a girl on the other team and our girls our, our team took a lot of threes too Who was shooting from the logo? It's crazy. The range. I was like, "What are they doing?" And the coach didn't say anything. I remember, like, at that level, if we would have taken that type of shot, you would have been benched. I know it's a different mindset, but they were just jacking up threes. Both teams every other time down the court.
0: Well, this goes to the (laughs) conversation. It's it's phenomenal that you just because this is another (laughs) one of my like touchy subjects. Um, My son's middle school did it last year. Um, Just coming down, first pass, raise three, raise three every time. Three. I'm like, what? (laughs) So like, even in in the third grade, I didn't let my youth team shoot threes. I, really? None, none of, now, did none you get of a lot of, you, of complaints yes, I did. from parents? Yes, I did. Yeah. But none of you are good enough doing it. Right. You're not even strong enough to get it up there. Right. So we're not going to do it this year. Like in fourth grade, some of you become more proficient. We'll shoot them. Fifth grade, everybody's got to shoot them a little bit within reason. Right. Off of good ball movement, not first pass with a guy in your face. Right. right? By sixth grade, we've got capable three-point shooters. It becomes a weapon for our team. Now I've got kids that will come down and pull it. But it's because they shoot it at a 35% clip that they are like, okay, it makes sense for you to pull threes. When you are shooting at 15%, or 10%. Less. Percent. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not a recipe for success. And it, again, like you're teaching kids the, the wrong way to play. The game should be taught from the inside out. Right. Now, once you've accomplished all of that and you become proficient outside, then you can play the game probably from outside in with the threat of your jump shot setting up the rest of your game. But until, until you can proficiently
1: shoot the jump shot, what are we doing? Yeah, Raj, I think to your one-on-one point with the workouts and these kids learning the one-on-one skills and all that, I do think part of that is the way they're learning to play one-on-one because you know, LeBron referenced it, and I also saw an interview a a long time back with Spencer Dinwiddie where he said the NBA to him is easier than college because when he was younger, he would go to the park or he would play one-on-one against the older dudes and he would learn how to play against people that were better than him. And that's how you knew when you were good enough was going up against people who were better than you, older than you, tougher than you. And you learn that one-on-one game so that when you get into these situations, you actually know what to do with the ball instead of just learning these skills and these workouts. So I think, like, look, when I was young, I used to spend four hours at a park and never get to play because I wasn't good. But the kids who were younger my age, they might get to play because they would go in and they would play against older kids and they would know how to play. A lot of these kids don't do that anymore. They just work in the gym or work with a workout coach or whatever. And they're not good at one-on-one even when they learn the one-on-one skills.
0: There, There's something to be said for that. Um, the kids don't play as much basketball in in an unscripted environment as they did when we were younger. Um, that's facts. Uh, and I do think there is some – look, I, I there's a one-on-one component in my practices. You have to be able to play one-on-one. I, I'm not saying that there's not a place for one-on-one. There is a percentage of the game that is played in a one-on-one environment. What happens though, Joe, like – is that's pro basketball. And this is what I try to tell my kids in high school who, when I run open gym, all they're doing is straight going one-on-one. None of, none of them like are remarkable at it, and it's hard to get buckets. But you're watching pro games. The high school game isn't played like that. They're allowed to play zone. Mm-hmm. The college game isn't played like that. They're allowed to, to zone you up. That only really exists at the NBA level because they put rules in defensively that don't allow you to zone up behind the ball because it would slow the game down and you wouldn't get to see these brilliant one-on-one players get buckets. It's because it's for TV. It is a, it is a, it's for entertainment. It is not pure basketball, right? Like, and, and I don't, I don't mean, I shouldn't have said pure, but it's not the same type of basketball that these kids will have to play in high school, in AAU, or in college. Now, that would be my only thing. You should have the ability that if you see some sort of zone or you're not able to go ISO to flip the script and do something else. If they're going to play you in a one-on-one situation and there are no loaded defenders and they're not in the gaps preventing you to just like eviscerate your man offensively, then you can do your one-on-one. But if they fall into something where you can't do that, you got to be weaponized to do something else. And most of these kids are not.
2: No, they're not. It's definitely an issue that's plaguing uh, youth basketball at every level. Welcome back to Kennell and Bell. Uh, yesterday, Tua Tonga had successful surgery on that hip uh, that he had dislocated in the game against Mississippi State. There was a, um, a release from the doctor, from the staff, from Alabama to his family, put out everything. Said thank you for the support. Uh, it all looks. It said he should. The doctor said he should make a full recovery, which is all good news. Yeah. And there was some timelines that they were released out there as well that said he could be th- uh, up and th- – possibly throwing. Now, when you say throwing, it might be probably soft toss, but with by the spring, which right. I think is a best-case scenario. There's also... Because um, it's been compared to Bo Jackson's injury, which it is the same, but I think it's been portrayed correctly in saying that, hey, that was 30 years ago. Bo didn't even know the severity of it right away, so they weren't as quick. This one, I've got to give credit to Alabama and their staff, because they got him out of there as quickly as possible. They had it reduced immediately. Yep. Like, it was everything was there was an efficiency an urgency that I think does matter as to far out the recovery goes. So all those things look good after kind of some time to sort of sit back, relax. I thought there was a chance. Maybe he'd go back to Alabama. I think he's leaving now. I do feel like, especially hearing this one and more importantly, I heard some odds this morning from Vegas that were released and I was like, you can't rely on them, but the more likely scenario, according to Vegas is that he's still selected in the top ten picks, which I think is a great scenario. That's awesome, and for that's him. according yeah. to this. Assuming that, like the long shot was he drops to the second round, which again is a good one. So if he's going to have this type of report come back from the NFL scouts and these types of things, I think it's a brainer, and it could possibly be a blessing in disguise for Tua. Here's why: if he would have gone number one overall to the Dolphins or Bengals, he's probably playing right away on a bad team, and as good as you may be. There's still a lot of risk there because you could be at you you know the Dolphins are tanking. You're telling me that all of a sudden they're going to turn around their roster? No, they're probably going to be bad next year too. Now either maybe he's not ready to play for them fully, so he has to sit the bench a little bit longer, or what I think is the better scenario is if he drops a little bit on a good team. Maybe it's the Chargers. Maybe it's the Patriots. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he falls that far, but at some point, maybe it's the better option for him if he goes to a team with a starter. Sits out the entire year, gets his whole body fixed, you know, a year off to yeah. heal, and then you kind of take it back and you take the world by storm.
0: Oh, I look, I agree with you. Being being selected um, is, is high in the draft, is everyone's dream. I mean, everyone will hear their name, like first overall pick, yeah. and everyone would love to hear that. It means you're going to a bad damn team. It means you're going to a bad team. And more often than not, it's a it's bad franchise because they're always drafting in the top 10. Like the years that San Antonio gets Timmy Duncan and stuff like that, those are anomalies. That's because David Robinson got hurt. Like you typically don't get drafted that high and go to a a gold standard franchise. Um, And I do believe that where you go as a rookie, um, not all the time, but a lot of the time can, can, can determine how successful you can become as a player. If you go to dysfunction and you're in dysfunction for a while, First six seven years of your of your no matter how talented you are chances are there's going to be a level of dysfunction to that career you Mm -hmm. know what I mean like so I I do I agree with you going to a good team if you could have your cake and eat it too would be would be my priority like top fifteen but I get drafted at number thirteen to a good franchise that fell on a, a year of hard
2: times so Mike Tannenbaum of ESPN actually laid out a scenario where Tua could end up with the Patriots I'll give it to you here see if you think it's feasible. Uh, he said, quote, to me, this lines up so well for New England because if I'm New England, I take him at the bottom of the first round and say, look, you're not playing for one year. kind of that situation. Uh, if I'm Tua and I'm drafted in the middle of the first round by the Bengals, I may say, you know what? I have world-class care. I have more leverage than John Elway. I have more leverage than Eli Manning. I'm going to rehab myself for a year, and then I'm going to go back in the draft. See, that's an interesting scenario where he doesn't even go back to Alabama. He says, if I don't like where I'm drafted – sit out a year and that's a that's a hypothetical now they don't
0: retain your rights in that scenario
2: I don't. I think for an entire year. I think if you sit out a year, you can re-enter the draft and get back in there. I don't think they retain your, year, your rights past a year, so they could negotiate, and there could be some other things. But he could say, "I don't want to play for that organization." Yeah, or I guess
0: you could threaten: hey, don't draft me, or I will sit out a year."
2: Right. Like, so which is what Elway me, did when like, Elway said that to the Colts. I think it was. I'm pretty sure I remember that correctly. Uh, and he was like, "No, I'm going to go play baseball." Yeah. And then he did, and then he got back where he wanted to go. Yeah, so that just, could be.
0: I wonder if that's different than the NBA because, like, if I threaten mm-hmm. that I won't play for you and you still draft me?
2: Well, we, we, Zion
0: could have happened this year. If he yeah. said, no, I don't want to go and to And they New still are like, hey, I'm taking you. Right. Like, I think they keep your rights, though. Like, I don't know that you can just say, hey, I'm not, I'm not. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, because like, then you would see
2: you. more and more players right. do that. I'm pretty sure in the NFL you can do it. I'll have, to, I'll have to check on that for sure, but it is an option. And, and it kind of brings back to where I think the best scenario from a player, what gives the players more leverage in this scenario, is do what baseball goes because – if Tua does declare for the draft and does get drafted, he can't go back to Alabama. That's not an option for him anymore. Where in baseball, if you get drafted, you can use that as an option. So, because in this scenario that Tannenbaum just laid out, he'd be on his own. He'd yeah. be rehabbing with who knows. Like he'd have to hire somebody, but he would not have the the care that he would in Alabama or a college program yeah. that he would. Um, where I do feel like baseball does it right where you can get drafted and if you don't like the money if you don't like the team if you don't like anything you can just re-enter the draft the next year yeah so i I don't know there are some options on the table but i do think it is more and more likely that you will see Tua enter the leave alabama and enter the draft and also i think we talked about this a little bit uh, yesterday his younger brother is at alabama and his brother probably wants to play and that's probably a part of the plan
0: that's part. look they got a plan they 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 live in Tuscaloosa now, right? Like they don't live in Hawaii anymore. No, they moved their entire family to yeah. Tuscaloosa. And the, the younger brother's there. That's a conversation. I <laughs> listen, Tua, you're you're going to the draft, Bubba. Right. Uh, your younger brother's up. Right. right. You're going to the draft. Get healthy. Let's make that money. And let what's the younger brother's name? Talia. Let Talia's turn. Let's go.
2: Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. All right. Let's move on to some leftovers because D'Angelo Russell uh, signed with the Golden State Warriors this season, and when he was asked why. He chose them over the Timberwolves. Uh-huh. He said weather was a major reason he chose them. I think it's probably one of the reasons. I wouldn't fault him at all. This is where I think people that never played kind of assume things that may not be true when they like, why did he go there? Well, yeah, I think that's, a, that's an obvious reason. Like I wouldn't want to live in Minnesota if there wasn't a significant difference and also go play for a better franchise that's won recently. Um, <laughs> do you agree with that? Listen, yeah, I, oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree, comes in there. Look,
0: you're you're, you're Florida a, boy, you know What's he what makes? What's he make? Thirty million dollars. What's he make? <laughs> yes. You know what's he make? He makes a lot of money with that. He made a hundred and something, right? All right. So once I've got that much money, right? Yeah. And then it becomes like trying to win, mm-hmm. right? And quality of life off the court, like those become the concerns. You've got your money now, right? One is winning. <laughs> One is dysfunctional, right? one is San Francisco and one is Minneapolis in February and i i like Minneapolis as a city but it's cold as hell
2: yeah it's nice for 3 it's months it's brutal 3 months out of the year it's beautiful best place they have tunnels cuz you don't brutal. have to walk
0: outside it's brutal it's brutal beautiful city like and summer is great but it's Minnesota in February versus San Francisco that's an easy call. But when do you, you factor the winning in, that's not even-,
2: even if they weren't, even if they were equal, I wouldn't fault him for doing No, you're this. going, even if there was a slight well, be- edge, I wouldn't like fault him for it. Correct. The money's the same, correct? Correct, Daniel. like I, when I was my biggest nightmare. Was having to play for Green Bay, and they were good. This was when Brett Favre was there. I was, and there was, you know, I didn't think I'd get drafted by them. I was like, please don't be Green Bay. I, I, I didn't care if you would have sent me to Tampa, who was not very good at the time. I'm like, I'd rather play in Tampa, in nice weather, well, than have to go somewhere and, and potential you could win. But I was like, I, you have to live there.
0: Yeah, I no, I agree, <laughs> but I do think though, if you had completely flipped the roles of Minnesota and and Golden State, where Minnesota was like a really good team, Golden State was was, was pretty bad. Not and not really in the playoffs and stuff. I do think that you have to like it, 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 you have to factor that in. Like I might go to Minnesota for the same amount of money. Like I buy I buy a home in San Francisco. I'll go visit right. whenever I want. I'm going to go to the team that's winning. Provided we're we're comparing apples to apples with salaries, you know right, what I mean? Right. Now if they're fractionally better, no. <laughs> but if they're fractionally better, then I'm going to the warm weather, but you got a chance to win a championship versus I'm not going to make the playoffs.
2: See, that's the difference. That NBA money, you get 30 a year, you can buy multiple houses. Yeah, yeah, you, buy can you can have a, a houses, private yeah, jet wherever. to fly you back and forth. You could almost commute during the season they be like, all right, <laughs> see ya. Um, the drug testing policy is something we talk about on here a lot because we've right. seen other players get popped. Danny Green had an incredible uh, putback d- dunk the other yeah. night, and it was revealed we'll that he was drug-tested right after that. Need you is to this, pee, bro. And this was pretty filthy. Ah. He went up over. Let me uh, see that again. Run that yeah, back. Yeah, this is pretty sweet. Did he got get a boost?
0: He, yeah, uh, that's— yeah. You get the little boost? No, he didn't get the boost, so, so the I've got to drug-test you. <laughs> Look at that. You <laughs> put your
2: head on the backboard. Danny Green, you're what, 35? We're getting tested <laughs> tomorrow. So you do you think that that actually came into play? Like nah. you, so you are, because I don't nah. either. I think it's all a crapshoot. I do think it's random, unless you are put in the program or you have this history of I think it is truly random. I think that's all it was. I How don't believe reaction? it to be
1: truly
0: random, but that, I don't, I think this one might have been random. He was really up there, though. <laughs> he was. What do you got, Joe?
1: How about Dwight right there? <laughs>
2: yes. Dwight. Dwight with the hands on top of the head. Team. Oh my goodness. I can't believe he, uh, that he actually did that. All jokes aside,
0: when have you seen Danny Green bounce like that?
2: I don't know, not that long. I I'd like something good. He maybe had he went, his elbow maybe he over went the rib make- <laughs> That seems like slant faced. Uh-huh. is the thing guys are going to now. That's great. I might have to go to it too. Uh the Milwaukee Bucks had an interesting uh reenactment, we'll just say, before their game. Have a look at what happened. This okay, is a Robin. little uh yeah, it's a little Robin Lopez Robin. coming in there in the tunnel, getting ready for Oh, oh, oh. oh. Who's no. that him and Wes Matthews? <laughs> uh oh <A> little WWE <laughs> oh. Oh, and he took him down to the ground. It's fantastic. I love it. That's outstanding. Um, this is stuff I miss, man. Oh, and there's more. There's a chair. Oh, it's uh, a great
0: WWE reenactment. Some of my favorite. That looks like that's Chicago. They're in Chicago, aren't they? Yeah, that's the tunnel in Chicago. Oh,
2: and game with a haymaker coming from up top.
0: Those were some of the best. Those pregame. Yes. Like we used to have Eddie House in there, and some of the stuff he would do pregame was was like th- those are moments that you definitely miss.
2: Those are the moments you miss, and I also think there's a lot of value in that. And I know it's a regular season game; it doesn't mean anything but being able to just be loose oh, yeah. for a game. You know, like you see some teams, and I actually saw Baker Mayfield do this before their game, and I think Baker Mayfield is still stuck in college where you only play 12 games and you're so focused and in the locker room it's dead silence. Everybody has the headphones on, oh, game yeah. faces on. And I saw him before the game in the national spot like the other night and in the Steelers game, and he had like that game face on. It was really, really, it was almost like he was playing it up for the cameras. Right. Where I get it, but I'd almost rather see a little bit of a looseness and a confidence that's, all right, you're ready for this moment. Sure. It's not that big a deal where you put everything on it. Right. Um, just something to keep an eye out for. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we're actually done with the show, but yeah. we'll tease for tomorrow. My guy Kirk Cousins, I know you thought Wait, it was a long shot. Gone. He's coming back in the. He's gonna get. He's gonna get a backdoor MVP. We see backdoor covers. He's gonna get a backdoor MVP award. I'll tell you why tomorrow. Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen
0: me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest Is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search
2: The Rest Is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.